0: You're listening to a Monster Kid Podcast. <laughs> we interrupt this broadcast to bring you this special message. How's it going, eh? Today's show on the Monster Kid Podcast Network is a classic, hosted by two comedic geniuses who've watched way too much North American cinema from the 21st century, Mike Pisacano and Anthony Silio. Entitled Cinemarketing, this podcast chronicles the heroic adventures of two latter-day consumers of film and the marketing surrounding them. Or, to use the correct 20th century terminology, losers. We hope you give it three thumbs up. Yo homie mateys, welcome aboard the Cinemarketing Podcast, where the trailers may have lied to you, but we shall not. I am your captain, Mike Pesacano, and I am joined here by me first mates.
1: Arr, oh, it's Anthony. Yo-ho, yo-ho. Near the hooks, I'll never go. I really wanted to cough during that whole thing so I can make us do another take. It's Grayson. Uh, <laughs> you don't know who I am. No. We, don't,
2: we don't do editing on this podcast, Grayson. We oh, just no.
1: raw dog it. You,
0: you don't do editing. I I do yeah, I as much as I possible. Mean. Um, but anyway. do editing. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it wasn't your life, wasn't it wasn't your path, no, <laughs> but uh, no. anyway, yes, yeah, so I'm Mike and Anthony and we're joined by our friend Grayson, who is here because he is the biggest Pirates of the Caribbean fan that I know, and we are here to talk about Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl, directed by Gore Verbinski, starring Johnny Depp, Orlando Bloom, Keira Knightley, Jeffrey Rush, Jack Davenport, Kevin McNally, Jonathan Price, Zoe Saldana, and, of course, a very special person, to both of us, uh, all three of us, probably. Um, yes. Mr. Perry Caramello. <laughs> Grayson, do you want to explain why this uh, why this gentleman is important?
1: Oh, I'm sorry, that's a gigantic thing that you're going to have to have me on for the next major uh, uh, episode. Uh, so he's the star of um, a movie called Windy City Heat. That's basically an elaborate prank made on this guy who is one of the most complicated men on the face of the planet, to say the least. And he is, um, his whole career was basically, he just did extra work, like just around Hollywood for a while. And he's in this movie somewhere. He's not a featured extra, but he does have it on his resume. And I can think of at least one time, I think, in the literally thousands of hours of Perry content there is in the world, where he says that he was in Pirates of the Caribbean one. So,
2: total aside, I saw the first season of Smiling Friends, and that episode that he's in is
1: amazing. Yeah, it's great. They 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 use his inability to form coherent sentences really well because they like I know Perry well enough to to know that like for anybody that's listened to that episode or at least that part of the episode, there's really almost no editing that really needs to be done to perry to make him sound like that like it's it's pretty remarkable
2: God, yeah. we, oh, i can't I, wait I, till we do windy city heat you're going to be a, on wind, on the, a windy on city
0: heat thing. cinema marketing podcast would be it, that would be a, it would be a, a, a dire ride.
1: it would be <laughs> yeah. dire in part because there is no marketing for the film at all, yeah, that's, a, are, that's why it's so complicated, like,
2: yeah. Yeah, we'll find the Comedy Central ads, but anyway, and sure. Jimmy
0: Kimmel uh, appearance, yeah, but anyway, yes. yeah. Pirates. yeah, yeah, so Pirates of the Caribbean, produced by Walt Disney and Jerry Bruckheimer, and the uh, release date was July 9th, 2003. And a couple what a year. of the yeah, though, no, this move this year, the, man, we want to talk about blockbusters. We do not get a year of blockbusters like in 2003 because we had Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King which uh, listen this movie's a giga chad lord of the rings is like uh. A...
1: as i said during the film this is not giga chad this is zilla chad and it is <laughs> or zeta chad, excuse zeta, me. chad. Zeta, zeta chad zeta chad yeah
0: we have <laughs> yeah we had pirates of the caribbean there was uh i think both of the matrix sequels came out this year both not not you know the highest of standards but you know the, the big, a big year for that but uh yeah so before we get into all the other stuff about this movie i want grayson Tell us all about your history with Pirates of the Caribbean.
1: Yeah, the thing about Pirates is that it is one of, like, the three main foundational media texts that kind of help to define my taste just in general. And I would say that that's, yeah, like Calvin and Hobbes, Avatar the Last Airbender, and Pirates of the Caribbean, which really helped to shape the things about media that I end up really responding to and my taste. I think from Pirates, that's where I ended up finding my love for Sam Raimi and a lot of my other favorite filmmakers. It's really helped define what it is that I actually look for in an action film and my love of media that has drastically shifting tones that like just bounce back and forth really um, quickly and sometimes abruptly. I still feel like this movie is basically at least for this first one. It is a it is in a three-way tie with Pirates 2 and 3 as my favorite film. there it's basically my Lord of the Rings and all of you are wrong. All three of them are perfect films. Watch them again. You're wrong. You are wrong. <laughs> it's not it's not really well, a not me specifically, because I, I
0: do love the first, the, the second and third movies as well. Maybe yeah. not to the extent that you do, you but and certainly listen. certainly more than pop culture would dictate. Like, it, it seems yeah. like those two sequels have kind of been put in the Matrix camp of, like, oh, these sequels were, like, you know, big disappointments. But I'm like, yeah. no, these, these actually hold up a yeah. lot better.
2: Listen, Grayson, I've known you for how long now? Maybe six years? Maybe a little less? I'd say probably,
1: probably like Four, I'd say. Four so
2: years. Four. Yeah. I've known that about you for the longest time. For the longest time, I thought that was the the most hot take accusation you had. I have not seen a Pirates of the Caribbean movie in probably a decade since watching this one. I understand where you're coming from. I understand <laughs> this movie's in- incredible.
1: Yeah, when I bring up Pirates of the Caribbean in particular, not just the the first one, but just the series in general, it it feels like now it's part of this kind of like pantheon of like gigantic blockbusters that were really essential to like 2000s kids and are total like are just treated as like relics of the time and I just feel like even just bringing up the franchise there's that but I think most people generally understand that the first one is really good but I think that it's the it's two and three that need the defense four and five I I, Suck uh, well, five doesn't suck, but uh, yeah, though
0: no, four sucks as well. We can say it
1: four is merely like just kind of mediocre and not very good. Five is, is a pathetic piece of trash, but it's just more two and three. I feel they need to defend one. It's like I, it's one of those movies that it's like one of the most obviously good movies. You're ever gonna see it's just like the best case to make for the movie is just watching it
0: yeah because honestly i was surprised at going back to this we've watched it twice in the past like week or so and i'm surprised going back to it just how much it feels like a fucking prestige oscar movie at some points where it's like there's like big costumes and sets and production value and then also it's like better than every indiana jones movie also like it's like two of those things just like combined and it makes for such like you know this great marriage of like oh fun popcorn entertainment and like actual respectability (laughs) so now let's talk about let's talk about the first trailer for pirates of the caribbean uh this first trailer i played it at the end of the last episode and we've noted that like when we watched this trailer together we were like What a terrible way to, like, get anyone excited to see a movie. It's literally just, like, tourist, like, ocean shots. And then, like, it has the tagline, over 3,000 islands of paradise. For some, it's a blessing. For others, it's a curse. And then the camera pans up and the island's in the shape of a big skull. And then it just says Pirates of the Caribbean, Johnny Depp, Jeffrey Rush, Orlando Bloom. And then it shows the one shot of the skeleton man walking underwater you see the footstep and then that's it summer 2003 yeah,
1: fucking terrible honestly it looked it looks like the trailer for disaster movie which actually <laughs> almost makes me want to rethink the quality of those trailers because it's like early 2000s trailers fucking suck sometimes and i guess disaster movie actually was able to replicate the style of that pretty well um because it just it has this like strange cheap gloss over everything I mean the thing that you that you say where it's like it's like gliding over the ocean like it's like for like a thing for like a cruise liner it looks like the it looks like it should have like Kevin James movie font like it looks like candy it's so shiny and everything like that it should be mm-hmm. in comic sales. honestly it's it's that terrible
0: but then we got the next trailer up and this one we're actually gonna watch right now you don't know what this is do you? Aztec gold. The heathen gods placed upon the gold. A terrible curse. Ten years we've searched. Every last piece we have found. Save for
1: this. Hello, Bobby. They've taken Elizabeth. Welcome aboard the Black Pearl. We must save her. Where do we
0: start? Jack Sparrow. He talked about the Black Pearl. Make a deal with him, he can lead us to it.
1: You forget your place. You are a blacksmith.
0: If you spring me from this cell, I shall take you to the Black Pearl and your Bonnie Lass. You're a pirate. Forgot one very important thing, mate. I'm Captain Jack Sparrow not sure I deserve it. You're not facing normal pirates. Cruel, demented, vicious pirates, to be certain. Say goodbye! Good boy. But cruel, demented, vicious pirates who cannot be killed. The moonlight shows us for what we really are. That's interesting. We are cursed
1: men. I hardly believe in ghost stories anymore.
0: You best start believing in ghost stories, Miss Turner. You're in one. Chance you all remember Captain Jack Sparrow.
1: Kill him. I'm gonna teach you the meaning of pain. You like
2: pain? Try wearing a corset. they come. Pirates of the Caribbean. The Curse of the Black Pearl.
0: I may have deserved that. So now this trailer is a, is a lot better. This is also a, after, because we should have noted that the first trailer only says Pirates of the Caribbean. It does not say Curse of the Black Pearl. It did not have that subtitle at that point. Uh, they had said, uh, I think it has been said that they had put that tagline on there to basically ensure for sequels uh, that, like, the first one had, like, you know, some sort of tagline. Gore Verbinski was not a fan of the, the title, uh, mainly because his main argument was that, like, the, the black pearl isn't cursed like the ship isn't cursed it's the, the crew like the people like it so it's like a, a, a it's a bit of a clunky title
1: it's yeah kind of generic. No, i mean it's it's not as like i mean it's it's a little wordy i mean it's not nearly as fucking abysmal as dead men tell no tales
0: you would almost expect that to be the title of the first movie because that's like the, the tagline for the ride so it's like oh there's the <clears throat> the connection there but they waited pirates. until 5 movies in when they had no material left
2: <laughs> pirates of the caribbean are meaty.
0: are so in this trailer we get a couple of uh, of we get a couple of bits that recur throughout a lot of the trailers and the marketing that we see for this movie uh, one of the most famous ones right here is the line that barbosa has where he says you best start believing in ghost stories miss turner you're in one
1: and then they and then they they skip out on the best part of the whole moment in the movie where he drinks a whole fucking bottle of wine and it makes it look like his bones are bleeding out horribly all over the place cuz it is the most wonderfully kind of fucking violent blockbuster it's so great
0: no, yeah, you don't want to reveal something that big and that fucking I'm epic for the trailer. Yeah, no. That also seems like, they're we're gonna get into a lot of the things that feel like this movie took from the ride. Because I feel like, yeah, the Skeleton Pirates, that's like one of the main things that was taken for, from the ride for this movie. Um, We also have a couple of other bits that are in the trailer. There's a, there's a couple of like, you know, the corny, like, you know, like the the joke lines where it's like, you know, the comedic beats there's uh the line where when orlando bloom is fighting uh the pirates on the on the town and one of them is like get ready to say goodbye and then he gets hit with a giant sign and he's like goodbye
1: that comes in with the very like sam Raimi esque style of a lot of the humor and just the way that like a lot of the comedy especially in the sequels comes through where it's like Rubinsky really has that like sam Raimi energy which you can see in the in mouse hunt that i think we saw with each other if i remember right it's like the most it's like sam raimi's evil dead style made kid friendly it's the most wonderful like i'm so upset i didn't grow up with that film but like he just like like you can like see like the corny very stupid jokes coming Mm -hmm. through in the movie and it's like it's it's beautiful
0: and then we've got uh one of the lines that's also in the trailer this is also i think you've said that this is your least favorite line in the movie it's the line when uh when elizabeth's like you like pain try wearing a corset yeah it's
1: it's bad that's it's the it's, only line in the movie that i'm just like the oh, yes
0: man. queen girl bossification line I, I, I didn't think the 2003 movies were doing that at the time
1: <laughs> oh no yeah no they totally were the um the uh well what, what is the line in return of the king um and she's like i am no man yeah no that's i mean that's the that's the well, th- I guess that and Corset are like the two most famous for me, like early visions of, like, yeah, the gatekeep girl boss.
0: I'm gonna teach you the meaning of pain! You like pain? Oh! Try wearing a corset. While we have the free moment here, uh, what is the current status of Pirates of the Caribbean 6?
1: So because Pirates of the Caribbean 5 was actually more financially successful than I thought it was, I thought that it only made like $500 million worldwide. But it turns out it was closer to like eight. And so I'm like, oh, okay, so this proposed spin-off sequel that they've been talking about for a while, I guess, actually is probably going to happen. And it's supposed to star Mar- Margot Robbie because Johnny Depp is not exactly a bankable star anymore for uh, reasons. And um, they're going to be keeping the, the incredibly untalented director of Pirates 5, whose name I don't really know how to pronounce, so I'm not even going to try. Um, <laughs> and it's just one of the two of them, and they're going to be directing her, I think, in a spinoff that I assume is not going to take place with Jack Sparrow as a character in the world, so it's just going to be called Pirates of the Caribbean, but it's going to have no actual relation. I hope Gibbs shows up. Yeah. That'll be good. Maybe they'll yeah. follow up on that Davy Jones stinger at the end of uh, Pirates 6. Yeah, or that's, Pirate that's the
0: thing that gets me the most fucking uh, grieved, is that, like, the post credit scene of Pirates 5 is, like, hinting that Davy Jones returned, and it's like, why would you do that if you don't have anything planned for it? But then again, it's not like I want that to happen. It's like Palpatine in the new Star Wars movies. It's like, it's just better to not do it yeah. somehow
2: davy jones has returned
0: somehow it, it would literally be that because it's pretty definitive at the end of at world's end that like okay he, he can't come back
1: <laughs> i mean it is comparable it really would just be like oh what if um sauron actually did have another ring like stored stored away somewhere and it's just like oh okay and i guess Dad. he's still around he's still kicking he's still and they'll make uh lord of the rings four still ringing
0: When Lord of the Rings author J.R.R. Tolkien passed on, many thought Middle-earth had come to an end. But recently, researchers found a half-finished manuscript, a sequel to Lord of the Rings. When on direct orders from Tolkien's will, his six-year-old grandson, J.R.R. Tolkien Jr. Jr., finished the novel and the movie was made, fans hoped
1: Middle-earth would rise again. Here now, we present a never-before-seen sneak peek of Lord of the Rings, The Final Journey.
0: So, the Pirates of the Caribbean ride at Disney World opened on March 18th, 1967. And in the ride, obviously the skeleton pirates. Like, that's kind of the main thing that this movie took from the ride, is that them having to be the villains. And also, if you look at the original teaser poster for this movie, it still just says Pirates of the Caribbean on it. It doesn't have Curse of the Black Pearl on it. The poster is just a skeleton piloting a ship uh in a rainstorm and it says pirates of the caribbean and that's kind of like the main iconography from the ride is like you know the skeleton pirates like and all the animatronics that were done with them there there's one of the famous shots is all the prisoners outside in in the prison cell like calling to the dog and the dog has the keys ring that that was a a bit that they put into this movie and i
2: love little shit like that just nods to the source material. I think is great, yeah. especially if it's something that's kind of hard to uh, translate over to film because it's literally a fucking dark ride. Like, how the fuck are you gonna make a movie out of a dark ride? And yeah. it, it works. You know, they they they. I feel like they did a good enough job making it its own thing while also making it obvious, like yes, this is a movie based on a ride.
0: I think that the biggest instance in which this movie shows like its reverence for being a ride and for its reverence for like stuff that's actually in the ride is uh the song the yo-ho it's a pirate's life for me because in any other movie like especially nowadays there would be a part where somebody's singing the song and someone will be like ah shut up with that song nobody likes that song but in this movie it bookends the movie it has thematic relevance to the characters and there's a great scene in the middle where jack and elizabeth are stranded on the island and they're just drunk singing the song together and he's like oh i love this song it's like It's a real, like, you know, embrace of, like, you know, kind of the sillier things about it that, uh, about the ride, but, like, you know, still showing, like, uh, you know, a respect for it. From the stormy seas, rich and fabulous treasure. The wildest crew that ever sacked the Spanish main. In a story only Walt Disney could tell. The Pirates of the Caribbean. A roving band of swashbuckling 'er ne'er-do-wells drawn by the smoldering enticement of gold
1: and jewels. Pirates who live for adventure, intrigue, and romance.
0: Experience
1: the mightiest sea battle in theme park history.
0: Sing along with the unforgettable music. The Hairy Leg, The Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No
1: Tale. Well, the the thing about that stuff is when I was a kid, I I never went on the ride. It wasn't until I was probably like 17 or in my later teenage years that I actually went on it. And up until that point, like, I was just like, oh, it's just a song in the world. And it's like, nice, cool world building. And it's like, it just works so perfectly there that it's like, it doesn't have to rely on someone's knowledge of the stuff. And just to go off of the point that you made before about like this, this actual reference to the ride because it's like i don't care about the ride personally i would care about the movies because they fucking they fucking rock oh i don't either but i don't either but it's literally never been on the ride
0: yeah yeah Mm -hmm. but it's it's just it's nice for when something is based on something like even if you don't care what it is like to show that it like it actually you know has some sort of like you know at least an understanding or like you know it 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 acknowledges like what it's based on and tries to like you know make it make it fun without like you know being like completely like jaded and cynical about it like movies today have to be where it's like oh comic books like with like all these Marvel movies where it's like oh your name is Otto Octavius yeah I was just about to
1: say oh your name is Otto Octavius (laughs) terrible yeah terrible stuff
0: But yeah, go back. to So, so you went on the ride. So what, how, how do you feel? (laughs) Well,
1: the, well, the ride, I mean, I mean, it's been a while. I I honestly don't really remember the experience of watching it, but I just, the main thing that I, that I know was going through my head watching was like, oh my God, they made like the best movies ever based off of nothing, like (laughs) nothing to go on here. Like in the, yeah. And it's like, yeah, the animatronics are cute, you know, um, you know, back when, um, Nixon was president, I guess. But, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm not really. I'm not. It's, it's not really something that's particularly impressive to me. Stop motion is never really totally been my bag anyway. And I feel like it's a similar kind of affectation and appeal. Like, if you like stop motion, you'll get into like the herky jerky, like kind of sudden stops and like weird, like Piston shifts and shit. It's like I don't know. It's just not really my thing.
0: Yeah, Yeah. and let's not pretend that everything about the ride is great. The ride has a lot of problematic elements about it that have had to have been reworked over the years. Um, (laughs) Yeah, there's been there's a lot of sexism in that ride. A lot of women being chased by men by a bunch of horn dogs. There's there's like one of yeah, it's time, the, to,
1: it's time to shut down pirates of the caribbean uh because because let me just tell you something uh time's up
0: captain jack his time is up uh but yeah no. so there's that so, should be in
1: one of the trailers is is, is, is it's like uh is i think like like, like that, gibbs is no 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 that'll be in one of the trailers is gibbs is like like we we lost jack where did he go and then margot robbie comes in from the shadows and she's like Mr. Sparrow's time is up. And then it's just like, bam, Pirate Six. No, right, like, flies at you like 3D.
0: I swear to God, didn't I think in one of in the trailers for maybe like, I think maybe the second trailer where Davy Jones says, time's up, Sparrow. And, uh, no,
1: no, it's, uh, it's, it's Bootstrap. Um, and it's in the movie too. He says, uh, t- uh, uh, yes it's how he says a time subject oh boy they were getting
0: him before even before it was even well known anyway so yeah other things that they added they they changed the stuff that they changed from the ride for that is basically influenced from the movie so they added jack and barbosa animatronics and they added like this whole story about barbosa and his crew hunting for jack on the town And, and then there's also i think they later added they added Davy Jones as like, I think on like a screen, like as a voice before you go into the ride. Was any of this stuff in the ride when you saw it?
1: Uh, no, I don't think so. And if it was, I have no memory of it. And that's how good the ride was, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm just I mean, I think part of it was just a type of uh, dissatisfaction that I had being there because I'm just um, completely disinterested in Disney as like a company anyway. And I was not really uh, especially happy to be there, frankly. It's just not my bag, um, really. Like, I don't know. Yeah, going back to, like, the original, like, roots of one of your very favorite things, and it turns out that it's really just like, oh, like, do I want to see Bill Watterson's, like, very first ever, like, uh, drawings that aren't even of Calvin and Hobbes? It's like, yeah, I'll look at that for five seconds, and then then I move on. (laughs) something else that's actually fantastic but it's like yeah i don't i don't really want to
0: so you're saying if they if they opened a calvin and Hobbes wing at the museum of the moving image you wouldn't be wanting to look at all that bullshit i
1: would i would not go out of protest because that's what what dear bill would want he would not want that shit uh, i agree yeah
0: all right shows how much i know i i don't i don't give a shit about artists i guess but anyway Mike gives
2: zero shits if you make art he hates you
0: if you make art, I want everyone to have a- as much access to it as possible, despite your demands. <laughs> anyway, so uh, one of the other things about the ride, this will be the last thing about the ride that we talk about, um, but uh, in order to promote Dead Man Tell No Tales, uh, Jack Sparrow, as Johnny Depp as Jack Sparrow uh, went, was in the ride and, like, you know was a big surprise for guests who were riding the ride and it's like oh it's it's really him he's there
1: i've been expecting you for hours my name is
2: captain jack sparrow hello and i would like to swim to you jump in your boat
1: Well, well the problem the problem with it first of all, and look, I, I don't want to get that terribly far into uh, the circumstances around Johnny Depp's current uh, situation. Um, the thing about that situation though, is it's not just him like doing publicity for the fifth movie when it was coming out. It was also, I think in part him trying to like get his favor back with the public by doing something that seems like he's really in with the commoners on this. And it's just like I, there's something like that in some way comes across as kind of cynical about the experience to me. But the real worst thing about the about the movie beyond uh, that is that he as his proof in Pirates 5 has totally forgotten how to play the character. And he's not funny at all. And I wanted the video to stop almost immediately. Like it's neat like oh that he's actually there at first. And I mean, I don't know all the things that I am bring up, I would have been like, oh it's my favorite movie performance of all time and he's right in front of me oh he he forgot how to play the character and then it just and then it just sort of melted from
0: no because that is the thing going back to especially this first movie that I'm always surprised by and we were surprised by wa- watching it again is just how how fucking cool Jack Sparrow is because the later movies. Like he really do play into sl- the slapstick and like the goofy comedy. And you kind of just like have this envision in your head, like, Oh, that's all it is. But no, in the first movie, it's like such like this balancing act of like, you know, actually being like, cool and slick and sly but also you know being a bumbling doofus you can understand why he got an oscar nomination for this movie and it's not yeah. just because like it was a wacky character it was because there's so many different like you know like you know layers and like you know ticks yeah. that he has that it's
2: it, he literally mr magoo's his way through all of this shit but he's totally effortlessly cool while he does it i said yeah. during the movie i love the fact that that I don't know if Gore Verbinski wanted this or if Johnny Depp just adopted it, how it's very obvious the character's based off of rock stars, like especially Keith Richards, but also Mick Jagger. There's a bit of David Bowie in there. He very clearly did the 60s front man, and you could see it in the walk that he does with his arms out. Like that's a very like 60s rock kind of frontman type thing because Johnny Depp's like, I gotta be cool. Who's the coolest guy I could think of, right? And judging by his age, those were probably people he looked up to, right? Yeah, so,
0: and, and especially in the third movie where they bring in Keith Richards to play his dad.
2: Yeah, exactly. I mean, Which, you know, kind of, I want to say amazing casting, but I kind of also like, duh, kind of casting.
1: I, it's a point that ends up getting really, like attacked about three which is my personal favorite of the franchise um which i delightfully found out earlier today apparently did not have a script while they were making it just didn't have a script which is they were just raw dogging it they raw dogged that movie unbelievable how fucking coherent it is i don't care what anybody says the movie absolutely does make sense it's really not that fucking hard to figure out but um the the whole thing with Keith Richards in that movie gets like made fun of a lot. And frankly, like I think there are some people that like, you know, given their baggage, if they were of a certain age when they first saw it, that it's kind of like, oh, this is a bit on the nose. He's genuinely like great in the movie. He's actually super funny. Like he actually has good comedic timing and like delivers a couple of nice little dramatic beats. He's like actually good in the movie. It's not just like a little silly referential. In joke, but I I want to say about what you were saying before. I think that in the first three, it is actually, like, more consistent than people usually give it credit for. Like, I certainly admit that in two and three that there is a lot more, like, dumb, ridiculous shit that happens to him. But, like, it's just more of, like, how many times it happens. I mean, like, there are a lot of moments in, in the first one where Jack looks like an absolute dumbass and, like, a piece of garbage. That Like, that's one of the great appeals about him. And he almost, like, I mean, you mentioned Mr. Magoo, and, like, there are times where, to me, he, he almost feels like like a real, like, silent-era character. Like a Harry uh, or Harold Lloyd kind of situation where it's just, like, all of these things just kind of collapsing and happening around him and just, like, out of pure luck. And maybe Lloyd's not the right choice, but, like, just those kind of figures... I think Keaton's probably the, the closest to it, where it's just, like, all these things are, like, flapping and around and, like, collapsing around him and just because of, like, the effortless likability that this character has, like, it's just entertaining seeing him just kind of like awkwardly stumbling through all of it. It has, it has like such a wonderful tactile feeling to like all of like the, the physical comedy too. And so like, like the moment when he like, like turns around and just like kicks a a thing and he just flies up in the air and like for like the first 10 seconds you're like this is the most genius guy ever that he has the spatial awareness to do this and then he's up there and he's spinning around and then he has like this really pathetic stupid sounding yell because it's like he has no idea what he's doing he literally just kicked a thing grabbed another thing that he saw in front of his face and now he's just like zipping around and he just gets away with it and like just randomly something else shifts and he's like okay now i can get away and now i can actually run away it's i mean like it i think he's always been this like this character that within every scene he's simultaneously really stupid and embarrassing and also like just has enough moments to like show how like smart he is it's like just watching a person that has really excellent luck just kind of accidentally be the coolest motherfucker around and i think that with 2 and 3 what ends up happening is that people end up focusing more on like the dumb reaction shots he has, which are all perfect and they're all consistent with what happens in the first movie. I mean, there are a lot of times when we were watching it where um, the thing went like, I think it was Anthony mentioned when we were uh, watching the Will and Jack sword fight that there are a lot of just like these reaction shots of him like like watching things like fall around in um, the blacksmith shop that that Will has where he just looks like, ooh, and just like something like falls from the ceiling and then it just like cuts back to him long enough so he can look like a fool that has no idea what's happening. Mm-hmm. So I, it's really more in four, I like kind of, and definitely in five. Where five, it's just like I mean, it's like watching Buster Keaton like ten minutes before he's gonna die. It's like this. It's like watching a sad old man, like, like it's like it's like watch. It would be like watching like Limelight, but there's no self awareness and like understanding of like oh, this guy actually sucks now it's 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 just it's so sad Pirates 5 is the worst thing ever yeah. <laughs> all right
0: now back to this uh movie so yeah so up until like yeah the movie being released like this was not perceived as being like you know a slam dunk hit for Disney like because it was the first film under Disney to be rated pg-13 like the first movie under like the actual walt disney banner to have a pg-13 rating and also we noted when we watched the movie again that there's no opening logos for the movie it's just pirates of the caribbean and you had brought it up that like they were kind of ashamed of this movie and they in the instance that it would be a flop they could like wash their hands of it and not be associated with it yeah and and like a bunch of stories from like the production like on set like the disney executives just being like i hate death like he's ruining this movie and like they really had no idea what they had with this
1: yeah i mean i guess i guess this is the the, the point when i when i talk a little bit about like not even just the the his character which there's so much more to say of course but it's like his performance is—I mean—I think that that Depp is is like probably at least for me and the things that I look for when it comes to like movie stardom. I think he really is like the most or one of the most talented, like just movie stars, like people that just have the capacity to completely like hold attention on screen. But he's actually like much more experimental with the kind of like likability and like the like the way that he ends up like getting physic like definitely his physicality, but like his sex appeal across as well. And I feel like in these pirates movies, uh, mainly the first three and, I, and I, I think he's actually quite good in four um, controversially, but, um, I think that he, he does a really, um, like just unparalleled job of, of really experimenting around with like the form of being a movie star of just like assuming that there's going to be an audience that likes you. And it's, it's like his, his performance is almost like at times openly mocking the film and like there there are however many moments I could point out, but it's like, I would probably say like the second scene that even speaks in the movie is the thing where he talks to the two like bumbling British officers. And he says, and they're talking about like, it's the fastest, like the Interceptor is the fastest ship in, um, in the Caribbean. And then Jack says, I know of one and he does like this over exaggerated thing where he like puts his finger on his chin in order to like just highlight like how little he's like taking anything they're saying seriously and it's like exposition like real exposition in the movie and it's just like I can't imagine what it would be like to to like work with a guy like on your gigantic multi-million dollar production that just seems to almost openly like try to mock the movie that you're making and like under and like slight it throughout the entire thing. It's so wonderful. And I think it ends up being, like, what the movie's about. Like, he is the movie.
0: And I think that this has to be probably one of the first instances in which, like, his movie star quality, like, really exploded. Because he had been a lead in, you know, movies before this. But, you know, look at a lot of his, like, leading credits. Like, it was mainly in, like, a lot of Tim Burton movies. And also, he, you know, he was the lead of certain movies, but never, like, a big blockbuster franchise like this. But then this then opens the floodgates. Now he's the lead of, like... You know, and and again, more Tim Burton movies, but like Lone Ranger, Alice in Wonderland, and the Dark Shadows. Let's not forget Mordecai.
2: (laughs) I want to admit, there is one negative thing to come out of this. And I think that Johnny Depp, not because he became typecasted, but I don't know. I just feel like this performance, him getting nominated for this performance and all that other stuff, really influenced his overall persona. Does that make sense? Like, I feel like he's trying to get a little bit of Jack Sparrow in every character he does, and sometimes it's fine, but sometimes it's a little distracting.
0: And I also feel like they all feel like they're just trying to like capture the lightning in the bottle that was Jack Sparrow in the first Pirates movie. And literally it's it's kinda sad to see just how none of them match up at all.
1: I mean I'm not I'm in that boat of people. I mean, like Johnny Depp is is like I said, he's my favorite movie star. I don't I don't know if exactly I would say he's my favorite actor, but I guess that's the closest thing I could really get to it. I don't think he really is copying his performances like people usually accuse him of being, but it seems like like the movies themselves are often trying to, yeah, like you said, to recapture that same kind of like really like incredibly idiosyncratic type of performance where just like every mannerism is just like so recognizable, so it's so infectious. Like every movement that he has in this movie is just so like just will like just sticks in your mind forever, especially if you're a kid. Like it's just the most wonderful thing for like someone like a younger audience to really to really see is just like a fun, lively character. But I mean, yeah, no, I definitely agree with you. I mean, I think that prior to this he had really he's I think he's and I think this is still kind of true to this day, that he's just somebody that that really knows how to like have these really like particular characters. Um and like he's used almost as like a tool in all of his films and like He works best in films where he's like almost kind of like mocking like or has the opportunity to like go really big in like the way that he almost mocks the film like ed wood at times has that um which i would say is his best non-pirates performance same with like fear and loathing las vegas um crybaby and stuff like that um but yeah no you're totally right this is like definitely the first time he ever had something on this scale
0: so yeah so now moving into some of the other uh the stuff that we're here for the 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 commercials and the products so this first movie had i guess it was a commercial with mcdonald's i don't think this didn't have a happy meal line dead man's chest had toys and a happy meal line but for
1: this movie unbelievable yeah that <laughs> movie marketed through mcdonald's unbelievable what yeah. kid is watching the shit no we what were i mean watching that shit the problem yet. is it's the most violent movie ever like to have a pg-13 until the next movie came out they're so fucking violent <laughs>
0: Yeah, you know, I think it's just that like, you know, because we were saying we love these movies when we were kids, but we were watching this movie at, at least in like the first like 15 minutes. We were sitting there all, like I'm enraptured by this, but kids today, if th- if this came out, they'd be asleep by now. Like it, it and it's just because it's like there's a lot of like, you know, set designs and like costumes like there's like, you know, an actual drama and story. Jack Sparrow doesn't even show up for like the first 10 minutes. There's not really much action until like until after jack sparrow shows up maybe like 15 20 minutes into the movie but we're like yeah to start this like disney family movie so somber and bleak like and it's like movies today are not paced this, like this they like jungle cruise is not going to have like you know a 15 minute long prelude of like you know getting to know the characters and like ha- taking in this big set because there is no set it's all a green screen <laughs>
1: Well, I think you're you're picking on Jungle Cruise because I kept making fun of it while we were watching this movie. It was just like, oh my God. Deservedly so. Fuck Jungle Cruise. It's just like, remember Jungle Cruise?
0: Yeah, like we were thinking, we're like, we love these movies as a kid. Like, what if like this new generation, like they're going to grow up and they're going to look back and be like, Jungle Cruise, that was the shit. They just don't make movies like Jungle Cruise anymore. I'm gonna play the McDonald's Big Mac commercial with Pirates of the Caribbean, but it's literally just a commercial for a Big Mac that has Pirates of the Caribbean in it. I don't think it was a special burger or a special promotion or anything, but it was just Pirates of the Caribbean
1: owns and... Mac or something.
0: No, that's just the regular Big Mac. <laughs> Craves a big Mac,
1: even pirates, introducing Disney's new movie, Pirates of the Caribbean. So beef patty, special sauce, lettuce cheese.
2: So come to McDonald's before the pirates take them all. You got you got Johnny Depp like 12 beef patties, special sauce, lettuce cheese, pickles on Yeah, just
1: have him like narrate the commercial. <laughs> yeah fucking buy mcdonald's if he did that especially
2: you're the worst dead. burger i've ever heard of oh but you
0: have heard of me
1: and then he just <laughs> bites into it and it falls all over his costume yeah. and then he turns and does the smile yeah. oh um, great
0: yeah yeah we, we didn't bring up that that wink that wink that smile that smirk that he has when, with the gun over his shoulder that, it all started with that smile yeah that fucking smile <laughs> Another bit of Pirates of the Caribbean branding and product tie-ins is the Pirates of the Caribbean Kellogg's cereal. And it's literally just chocolate cereal with marshmallows. Like, basically, the fucking bare-bones template of-
2: Kellogg's Kellogg's had a fucking hard-on in the early 2000s to make a cereal for every Disney movie, and they're all just generic shit.
1: You're saying- wait, so you're saying that Disney was, was affiliated with Kellogg's? Yes, it was. Well, well, well. Now Disney's canceled, of course, because of their prior affiliation with Kellogg's.
2: Yes, one hundred percent. Don't cross the
0: picket line. And
1: also, their support of Uyghur camps, but that's you know. That's yeah, yeah. Right. The, the 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 support of the Uyghur cramps is uh, not great.
0: I'm canceled for my uh, affiliations with Kellogg's and the nine hundred bowls of Fruit Loops that I've had in my life. Yeah, I was gonna
1: say, like, just <laughs> outside of outside of like uh, of your microphone, there's just like a full bowl. Of, uh, of Toucan Sam's finest.
2: Like, buy the Molto meal It's
1: cheaper, and it tastes exactly the same. Or, or, you could just eat a banana and eggs.
0: I was gonna say, or I could just be an adult and, like, you know, stop eating children's cereal.
2: Yeah, cereal's not good for you at all.
0: Okay, another thing. I wanted to try to limit all of these, like you know, products and tie-ins and crossovers with stuff specifically from the first movie because this is a big franchise and had a lot of like tie-ins with other like forms of media. But I wanted to limit it specifically just to this first movie. Even just with the first movie, the video game adaptations of just this first movie are enormous. This is the most video game coverage that we've ever had on this show so far. Uh, There was a Game Boy Advance game. Which I think this is—it's the only platform that a specifically a Pirates of the Caribbean: Curse of the Black Pearl game was released on it was a Game Boy Advance. It's a top-down isometric-looking game. Uh, looks really bad. Jack Sparrow has a blue bandana. Uh, that's blasphemous. It, I it, had
1: it, I had this game. I I being as much of a fan of the of the series as I was, I made it to not even the second level i think maybe i did and then i stopped playing it um because you were jack sparrow on the island and you had to kill a bunch of crabs and i just got really tired of it
2: also yeah. random video game fact the reason why that jack sparrow has a black blue bandana in that game a lot of game boy advance games had to do this the screen on the original gba was so fucking dark they literally made as the games as bright and colorful as possible, so you could just see what the fuck you were doing. If you didn't have a blue bandana, you probably
1: wouldn't be able to see them. Didn't they have but, like? Uh, bright... I, I mean, my my Game Boy Advance had a brightness uh, like.
0: The original uh, GBA
1: oh. did not have a backlight. Okay, all right. I yeah, I think I had the SP, so I guess I guess yeah. mine. Worked.
0: You know that wasn't the uh, that wasn't the original model, but it but there the was there ri-
1: was. But I, that's how I played. That's how I played the game. The the pirates. Um, what what was the yeah. subtitle of that game? Because I don't think it was Curse of the Black Pearl. I Can't remember. Was it the Legend of Jack Sparrow?
0: No, no. So the, the Legend of Jack Sparrow is the game for PS two and The Legend of Jack Sparrow. Yeah, so that's a retelling of the first movie, but it also, I remember playing this game, it had like this weird framing device where you were Jack and Will, you were like at the gallows and it's Jack telling the story of the first movie and it has this weird framing device where it keeps going, cutting back and forth to like them telling the story and then you're playing levels that are like, you know, the stuff that happened in the movie.
1: And Depp giving his all,
0: I'm sure, to the performer. Yeah, this is also one of the only games where, like, they got Johnny Depp to voice him for the games as well. Yeah, That kind of definitely... just
2: tells me that Jack really liked playing, or I say Jack, Johnny really liked playing this character.
1: He has talked about how it's his favorite character, and that there was a pretty long time where he used to just have the costume in the trunk of his car, like in case he just wanted to like break it out, like because he because he famously goes to like children's hospitals and like dresses up as the character for kids. Yeah, what a
2: fucking king!
1: Yeah, that's really sweet. Um, but but I've I played part of this game before. My memory is he's really really not putting any effort into it.
0: Is he putting more or less effort than Tobey Maguire in the Spider-Man
1: Two game? it's about the same frankly
0: yeah um so another game so kingdom hearts 2 uh everyone's favorite uh disney wankery oh the weeb shit yeah i've never played i i i've tried playing uh through this game a couple of times because oh it's got some disney games maybe i'll play it and as a kid i would just be like I don't care about this Sora character. Like, give me fucking Disney characters. And it's just so long. And I, I'm sorry, I'm not a fan of the Kingdom Hearts games. Um, but there's That's a the correct of- opinion, Mike. Yeah. In Kingdom Hearts 2... There's a segment where you're playing through the first movie. You're fighting Barbossa and the skeleton pirates. There's also a Pirates of the Caribbean section in Kingdom Hearts 3, but that is specifically the third movie. There's Davy Jones and the Maelstrom and all that. So, yeah. And then there's also Pirates of the Caribbean Online. And now I'm pretty sure that this isn't, you know, following the plot of a movie or anything like that. It's just an um, MMO for Pirates of the Caribbean. And uh, I guess they thought for some reason that, this had a, a a a wide enough following to do that. I mean, then well, again, there is Family Guy had an MMO.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Oh family God. Guy online.
1: <clears throat> Mike, when are when are we gonna talk about Family Guy? Uh, what was the fucking thing that we played that game? The road to, road the... to the multiverse. What, road or... to the multiverse. Okay, the actual worst game I have ever played in my entire life.
0: Is it better or worse than the Avatar: The Last Airbender game for
1: GameCube? Um, I'm. It's worse, I think, because 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 Road to the Multiverse is like legitimately broken, like it's they just didn't finish the game clearly. And it's like, yeah, Avatar for the GameCube is really bad. But at least I still get to hear uh, those really wonderful performances just a tiny bit more versus um, uh, versus uh, Seth MacFarlane going like yet again is Stewie's terrible, terrible Mm -hmm. stuff.
0: Yeah. Uh, also another, so another game. And now this is, I feel like this encompasses all of the movies at this point, but Lego Pirates of the Caribbean, which was released in like 20, 2011, 2012, and it look, seemed to have been coinciding with On Stranger Tides, because yeah. on the cover of the game is Lego Blackbeard and Lego Penelope Cruz. <laughs> but but you do get to play through the first movie uh in this game and i remember i think my brother had it and i played it a little bit and it was fun it's a lego game it's basically they're all the same level of fine (laughs) they're
2: (laughs) all some exception
0: with some exceptions lego star wars complete saga that's the top tier and then we can talk about any others after that i
1: like i like the lego harry potter one I i think that one's okay i think most of the rest of them i i I don't have that much of, really, a connection to. But, yeah, I mean, I think almost all of them is just based on how much nostalgia you have for the property and how, like, cute it is, like, to have Legos running through it instead of the actual people.
2: Because at the yeah. core, they're all the same
1: fucking game. Oh, they yeah. really are. There's, like, no difference between yeah, yeah.
0: But also, that was back in the era where the Lego games were just, like, you know, they would... They would you know they were silent and they would pantomime things and i just recently because i was i had a lego hunch for a, a little bit so i was like looking through the e-shop and seeing like what are cheap lego games i want to play and they had lego force awakens and they use can't like the voice clips from the movie so it's like when you have like these like very like you know these dour serious performances and the legos are saying it it's like This is just so mismatched. Like, why did they add voices to these games? This summer, The Legend of Pirates goes where it's never gone before. LEGO Pirates of the Caribbean, the video game. Play through all four Pirates of the Caribbean movies, starting with the very first, The Curse of the Black Pearl. Join Captain
1: Jack Sparrow on his voyage to reclaim the black world. as captain barbosa tries to reverse the curse of the undead
0: okay so last video game related thing with pirates of the caribbean is for the game sea of thieves the xbox game they they released an expansion called a pirate's life and in this There's a campaign where you meet Jack Sparrow and you fight Davy Jones and stuff. Um, I downloaded it because it was free on Xbox and I was like, let me see what this is all about. And I got through maybe like the first bit of the tutorial. And I it's one of those like, you know, constantly online games. And I just had no idea where to go or how to initiate the Pirates of the Caribbean story mode. And I was just like, yeah, I guess this game is just not for me. So I didn't get to see what this game was about or how or how much you this uh, game story ties into pirates. But whatever.
2: Don't worry, Mike. From what I hear, Sea of Thieves is fucking mid.
0: No, yeah. It Look, it, even controlling it, I was like, "Yeah, this doesn't seem." Just play Assassin's Creed Four: Black Flag if you have like a pirate game itch. The Sea of Thieves, eh? Bring me that horizon. Um, and now we get to some of the pop cultural references uh, that were came from this movie. So, Grayson, a, a very special one to me and you, Captain Jack Swallows. <laughs>
1: Yeah, we have to talk about something very embarrassing about both Mike and and myself. Is that um, we both have a very, very destructive taste in watching embarrassing garbage and series. And so, one of the things that we ended up basically, they're Tubi connoisseurs. I am a Tubi connoisseur. My Tubi watch list is over two hundred and fifty films. Tubi is a godsend. Long live uh, them forever. Um, and they have saved my ass so many times. In part because they helped us complete the most essential, I think, in our friendship, the most essential retrospective we've ever done, which is watching every single Friedberg and Seltzer movie. Um, so thanks to Tubi, I was able to watch Best Night Ever with my pal Mike. Thanks, yeah. Tubi.
2: Yeah. Tubi,
1: sponsor us, please. Please, literally, I, I. Oh my God, it would be an honor. I'd do it for free. Please. Yeah so we watched all of the Seltzerberg movies and one of those was epic movie. In case you're not aware, there's a very actually like probably possibly the best scene in any one of their films or anything they're associated with is this parody um, that this guy does of um, Jack Sparrow, but instead of captain Jack Sparrow, it's captain Jack swallows. And it's like, None of the actual jokes in the scenes that he's in are any good, but the guy's impression is. And this is coming from me, so it's. Fi- I think it's okay that I that I can uh, that I can that I can actually put this out there. I actually think he's doing a genuinely really solid impression of of Johnny Depp in those movies. It actually kind of makes it work pretty well, even though a lot of the jokes are shit. Because of course they are. Word
0: to the crack in the-
2: I'll get you out of here, mate. Captain Morgan, I love your rum.
1: No, Captain Jack Swallows. At your service, Jack Swallows. (laughs) That's kind of gay, dude. (laughs) So would you say it's worth watching, Grayson? Um, I would actually say that, like, if you have a kind of like cute little sense of humor about this stuff, then I would actually kind of lightly recommend the scenes that Jack swallows. uh, So just the
2: scenes, not the whole movie.
1: No, the whole movie is one of the worst comedies ever that I've ever seen in my life, which which means that it's probably in the upper half of their films
0: uh last couple of things left so there was also the lonely island song uh the 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 tale of jack sparrow i fucking hate that stupid dumbass song it's yeah it it got very annoying after a while um and it was i mean this was also feels like it came out in the early 2010s seems like it came out around the on stranger tides time but whatever it's it's significant enough I'll, i'll put it in here But... Yeah, no, this is definitely a song that got run into the ground, but I definitely as a teenager probably watched it a
1: bunch. Uh which is Oh, yeah. I know I you know I did. But I don't know. I think that the premise of the song is like cute when it, it's described to you. And then when you actually listen to it, it's like, okay, like I think it's I think the first half of the song is like cute enough and i'm sure some of that comes from i just love this series so much um that like even like just hear him like no it's not funny of course it's not funny but like i think there's like he has a couple of cute little like intentionally bad lyrics in there but then as soon as it like starts talking about like other movies it becomes epic cringe like when they have michael bolton dress up as aaron Brockovich it's just like oh okay this needs to be turned off like this second Like, I can't watch any more of this. It's too terrible.
0: The last bit of uh, other pop cultural referencing stuff. But for the third time on this show, an appearance of VH1's I Love the New Millennium.
1: I love O3.
0: You best start believing in ghost stories, Miss Turner. You're in one. Going into the summer of O3, the movie I was least excited to see was a Disney pirate movie based on a theme park ride, but you know what, it was the best movie of the summer. It's a really bad ride, if you would think if any of the rides were gonna become like a hit movie, that would not be the one. I know exactly what you mean, love. I've seen Pirates of the Caribbean three or four times, maybe, and I still am not totally clear on the plot. The plot, it's got something to do with the, pearl and there's a ghostly ship but all that doesn't mean anything because captain jack sparrow appears. Hear chris jericho talk about like yeah you know like this movie like it doesn't make any sense the plot is stupid but you know what we watch it because of captain jack sparrow like sh- but yeah so now before we uh, go into our break we want to talk about the epic soundtrack for this movie the one of the best movie scores in our lifetime and The first movie's score is credited to uh, Klaus Badelt, and the sequels uh, 2 through 4 are credited to Hans Zimmer. Now, you can give us a little bit more context about, like, the ownership of the Pirates' score, if you...
1: Yeah, so, my understanding of the situation is that Zimmer was originally going to do this, and he ended up kind of recommending this guy, who's kind of like someone that was sort of mildly up-and-coming in the business at the time, but... He ended up then coming back onto the project Zimmer did, and ended up writing a lot of like the biggest, most like recognizable parts of the score in just like a couple days. So while it is credited to Klaus, um, my understanding is, and I think it's generally accepted that Zimmer is the one that actually did most of the score. It's more of just like a who ends up getting writing credit on things and who doesn't and stuff like that. But I basically just treat this as a as a Zimmer score. And obviously two and three are as well um before i mean it just sounds like a fucking mixtape of the other ones i don't even think he wrote a single new original note for the fourth one
0: we'll take you out to break we'll listen to the aw- awe-inspiring jizz pirates of the caribbean score and we'll play a play a couple other little commercials in that break for you and then when we come back and we'll get into the critical release and all everything that came out after that
1: to fight his dark matter. Oh, not good. Live the life of a notorious pirate as you join Jack Sparrow and thousands of players in Pirates of the Caribbean Online. Captain your ship and fierce enemies. Live the legend. Play for free at PiratesOnline.com. Bring me 10 for ages 10 and up. You're next. This is a day that you will always remember... Pirates have arrived on
0: Disney DVD and video. Critics are calling Pirates of the Caribbean one of the year's best DVDs. Not sure I deserve that. Come on! Loaded with swashbuckling action. We're catching up!
1: And a treasure chest of extras.
2: I suppose you didn't deserve that one either.
1: No, that one I deserve. From producer Jerry Bruckheimer and director Gore Verbinski. Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl.
0: Only today on Disney DVD and video. And we are back on the seven C's for the second half of this episode. Uh, And now we're going to get into the critical response. What did the critics have to say about Pirates of the Caribbean Curse of the Black Pearl? On Rotten Tomatoes, the film has a 79% certified fresh rating, 176 fresh and 46 rotten. The critics' consensus says: "May leave you exhausted, like the theme park ride that inspired it. However, you'll have a good time when it's over." This is a shockingly low Rotten Tomatoes score, especially in a day and age now where, like, almost every Marvel movie is like 91 certified fresh. It's like the fact that this is in 79, like, it feels like this feels like an insult, like, especially for how good the movie is.
1: Yeah, I mean, Rotten Tomatoes is for chumps, and I don't take anything about their ratings seriously at all, but. I mean, it's kind of my understanding of how it is that the movie was really received at the time is that everybody was like totally and wonderfully impressed with Johnny Depp. And there were a lot of people that generally really enjoyed the movie, was obviously super successful, but that it wasn't like, oh my God, this really is like one of the all-timer classics at the time. Which is obviously ridiculous to me, but...
0: I think it's also just that there were a lot of people who were just, like, genuinely surprised that it was even good. So it's like, you had to process just the fact that it was good, just period. Like, the appraisal that, like, oh, it's this, like, new, like, classic blockbuster. It's like, I don't think that that type of thought process was ever even considered at the time. So I think that it was, like, you know... Something that, like, you know, we obviously have basically latched on to and, you know, making it that modern classic for us. But, yeah, definitely at the time it was definitely just like, you know, just being surprised that it was good in the first place. Yeah, Um, I mean,
1: I think that the whole thing about it being a theme park ride and leaving you exhausted, I don't know if that was as much of the way that people talked about it at the time. But I know that it's one of the big things that people talk about a lot with the sequels, and I, I don't want this to just turn into a conversation about like obviously incredible and basically how two and three are actually like masterpieces but i mean this one i i just i'm maybe it's just you know it's just been a movie that's been part of my life for as long as it has has been but i just completely can't relate to the idea of just being exhausted and almost wanting it to stop as you're watching it but that's the kind of thing that gets leveled at two and three a lot not as much with this first one and it's funny watching it i think Two's only like 10 minutes longer than the first one. So it's interesting that like, I, I don't know. I just don't hear people say that like, oh, this one's overly long. So I guess I just don't even really see this consensus is really capturing the mood of of how people really respond to it at the time. And not bringing up depth. It's like blah, 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 my own bias against it. But like really like that's the thing to talk about with the movie. If you can only talk about one thing in the movie, it's like this guy, you've never seen anything like this before. Mm-hmm.
0: All right, well, let's move over to Metacritic, where the overall rating is actually lower. It's says 63 out of 100, with 25 positive reviews, 12 mixed, and 3 negative. Best review comes from Keith Phillips at the AV Club. Verbinski knows when to break out the stunning action sequences and when to let his characters dominate the film, and he handles both modes expertly, 90 out of 100, which what I think pros. is... Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's also like, yeah obvious to us that that would be the the analysis of it and then the worst review and this is probably one of the laziest fucking poll quotes that I've ever gotten for this show, but it was really the only one that was low enough. Uh, the booty here is one hundred percent fool's gold. Scott us, Ellie Weekly, twenty out of hundred. And I know you're surprised that was a it. fucking it's... Gene Shalit
1: yeah. fucking review. It's, yeah. it's, was... No, that's that's Peter Travers. Like I, I actually was... <laughs> when I read that I was like, oh oh Peter is finally making his uh, debut appearance on this episode on this uh, podcast. Oh
0: no, we've gotten to we've we've made Peter Travers travers quotes a couple of times on here oh right. you have I, <laughs> yeah well, when has he shown up um i know he did polar express f- uh, from the last time last episode yeah um that that episode. he probably i think he might have had one other one that i'm forgetting but yeah this review it's like yeah completely fucking like the public perception of like you know a dumb critic where he just makes a dumb pun and then like yeah it's bad like Peter Travers
2: reviews are literally like it was a picture moving on a screen two thumbs
0: way up it riveted me from start to finish it was a a rip-roaring good time four stars whatever and then the box office for the movie. So on opening weekend, this movie made $46 million, and it was number one on the opening weekend, and it opened against the number two movie, which was The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. That's and...
1: definitely a number two movie. It <laughs> <That> is a <laughs>
2: shitty movie. You're saying wait, wait.
1: I'm sorry. Are you are you making fun of the appropriately named uh, Stephen Norrington, director of Blade for League of of Extraordinary Gentlemen? You're saying that a Stephen Norrington movie didn't deserve to get top box office, (laughs) (laughs) dude. Um, Fucking. You mean the movie that made Sean
2: Connery quit acting? Great. And that's the best thing it did.
1: Yeah, yeah seriously. Uh, well, I don't think I think his last ever performance is the from Russia with love video game really went out on top there. Good job, Sean.
0: Uh, and then at number three that weekend was Terminator three and its second weekend. So, yeah, it it, it starts out forty six million dollars. The budget was one hundred and forty million dollars. It's total U.S. domestic gross was three hundred and five million and the total worldwide gross worldwide gross was 654 million dollars and it was the fourth highest grossing movie of 2003 uh behind lord of the rings the return of the king and number one finding nemo and matrix reloaded
1: and adjusted for inflation it's just like five or so million shy of breaking the billion dollar mark so yeah uh, uh,
0: we can get it there it, it's sad that on stranger tides and and dead man's chest is also a billion dollar Desert range is- but it's yeah, but it's sad that On Stranger Tides is is one of those movies.
1: Yeah, but though, it, though if I suppose if it helps at all, um, most of it was not from the domestic. Um, it actually, I, my memory is it actually did not do spectacularly well in domestic. It made a shit ton of money overseas. I don't know what it was about that one that made it make so much. It's overseas.
0: a shitty blockbuster. Those always do well overseas. All right, and now for the big boy, the awards. The Academy Awards, the- the most,
1: uh, honor Insert insert Billy Crystal terrible song uh, here.
0: Yeah.
1: Hey, 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 you leave Billy Crystal alone. Worst Oscar host of all time, worse than James Franco. You could suck my balls.
0: I, would ha- I will have to cut that out of the episode because you will get fucking ruined. You no, will get run it, out it. of town. Oh, man, it. No, that's, those hot
2: takes are how we get the you'll, listeners, you'll baby. Get run,
0: we're gonna run, you're going to get run right out of town.
2: There's going to be a fucking AV Club article. Like, look at this asshole that hates Billy Crystal.
1: <laughs> I don't hate Billy Crystal. I just hate him as a host of the Oscars because he's not funny or talented. He'd definitely be better than Pete Davidson. I'll tell you what. Okay, I'm exaggerating when I say he's worse than James Franco. Um, but I mean, the, the best, the best, the best host of the Academy Awards of all time is no host of the Academy Awards, and let me just go to bed already. That's the best host of the Academy.
0: Well, Awards. when they have no host, then they they end up uh, doing even worse. So, uh, evidenced by last year's Oscars, as we've. Uh, Denoted the at worst the, Oscars of, of all time.
1: What was it? 2019 was the one uh, yeah. when um, Black Klansman won that that one not having a host worked out fine, didn't it?
0: So for Johnny Depp, best actor, nominated uh against Sean Penn from Mystic River, who was the eventual winner, the undeserving winner uh in this scenario, <laughs> against Bill Murray the actual winner of my heart and no. then uh ben kingsley and house of sand and fog and uh jude law of cold mountain listen i know that we we're gonna say this um i think johnny johnny depp's nomination here is the win like the fact that he got in for a movie like this and a performance that's this weird like it, the fact that he got nominated is like uh is like you know i feel like that's like that's the award in of itself but i feel like with Bill murray i think we're, we're very opposite polar ends of this. But Lost in Translation, it's a very special movie to to me and and my heart. And I think that Bill Murray's performance in the movie is just like so emotional and like, you know, it's heart wrenching. And I think that every time Bill Murray now has a movie, like a Wes Anderson or Sophia Coppola movie. And they, I feel like people are trying to, like, work up that that enthusiasm again, like, oh, this is this will be the makeup for Lost in Translation. And then those movies aren't good enough, and he's not good enough in them. And it's like, that was his moment. That was when he should have gotten it. And you fucking missed it. And it sucks.
1: They blow it. He's He's pretty solid in the movie, and that's basically it for me. I totally don't get the degree of how emotional it is, at least not in the to the degree that you have when you say polar opposites i like lost in translation bill murray is yeah i'm I'm like i don't know like I, i don't know if like i'm at the point where i feel like yeah he deserves a nomination but he's like no he's like really good in it um i think between the two of them if anybody deserved a nomination it was probably johansson but i mean that's just me um no i mean obviously i mean like him in this and in two and three it's my favorite not the best but my favorite performance of all time, and I think that, like I said before, it just kind of shows a person really, like, kind of molding and manipulating the craft, because it is a craft um, to be a, a movie star, like, not just as, like, somebody outside, like, signs, autographs and shit like that, but, like, to project your personality and, like, being able to, like, actually accomplish these action scenes and whatnot. It really is like an actually like experimental leading man performance of one of these kinds of things. And just, I think everything about like down to the mannerisms, down to the, um, to his ability to like mold into however many different types of comedy. Like he's, he handles the verbal repartee magnificently. Like, like truly one of the, for me, one of the great comedic performances of the 21st century. I mean, it really and it just genuinely is an entirely original performance that I have never seen anything like it since. Um, even in other Johnny Depp performances, which you already talked about, I just, I, I mean, there's so much else I can say about it that I obviously I don't have time to get into all of it. But like, the, I mean, you say him getting the nomination is is the win. No, no, the the win is the win and i mean you want to talk about someone who's never gonna i mean the the, the opportunity is gone and i mean it i mean it makes me incredibly sad to say this but i mean he just doesn't have it in him anymore to deliver a great performance i just don't think he does i thought he was very good in black mass but that's it and i mean I th- it seems like the rest of what he's going to be doing for the rest of his career is that like fucking i don't even remember like is, is it like a dead poet society rip off the professor
0: I have no idea what you're talking about, but whatever. Like, stuff like that. It's just,
1: it's never going to happen for him again. And he even got, like, a couple of other nominations, um, which he deserved for Sweeney Todd and totally didn't for Finding Neverland. It's just never going to happen. And I think that's the real shame. I mean, it's also a dramatic performance. Like, it's it's a really varied, uh, diverse performance. It's just, it's, no. I mean, to me, it's like, it's like, it is honestly the very tippy-top pinnacle of what it is that that movie stardom can achieve
0: yeah i guess if i could say something, i'd say if we could rewrite history and if bill murray was the winner of the oscar i think it would make me very happy but if johnny depp won the oscar it would probably be one of the coolest oscar wins of all time so I,
1: I yeah i i will definitely agree with you um when i say that like this is without a doubt top three coolest decision or coolest nominations of any kind that they ever really had it's right up there with like mad max fury road getting a best picture nomination it's right there with it
0: yeah i think that if this movie was more should have been more respected and gotten more nominations it should have gotten costumes it should have gotten production design it should have gotten score but what what it ended up also getting nominated for and of course a lot of these awards are going to be won by lord of the rings the return of the king which that also i think is I feel like they they were like we filled our blockbuster quota this year because they got Lord of the Rings for everything, and oh you know I, what I'm not even mad. No, yeah. So Lord of the Rings won best makeup over it, and it also won best sound mixing and best visual effects over Pirates of the Caribbean, and for best sound editing lost to Master and Commander, The Far Side of the World, another pirate ship movie. So I guess they were probably like oh well this is the more prestigious one i guess which again he's yeah
2: would you say it's a late entry to the bcu the boring cinematic universe
0: probably i've never seen all of master and commander but as a kid i tried to
2: watch is that one true adult movie for grown-ups mike (laughs) (laughs) is that is that one wolfgang peterson
1: probably dude's
2: name is wolfgang he's a fucking
1: yeah he's he's like the most fucking boring filmmaker it's like nothing you ever see troy
0: um did he direct did he direct air force one I think I saw that. I think
1: I think he did.
0: No, he directed that Poseidon movie, which the Poseidon and the, the Poseidon perfect... movie, that was it. Peter Weir directed Master and Commander. Of course he did. But anyway, so now we'll move on to Across the Pond, the BAFTAs, uh, winner for Best Makeup, also nominated Johnny Depp for Best Actor, where, uh, but lost to Bill Murray and Lost in Translation. Best Sound uh, was nominated for Lost to Master and Commander. Costume Design... Also lost to Master and Commander, and visual effects went to Lord of the Rings. But now at the SAGs, now this is where the, the, the SAGs. Fucking, what a gross name! Yeah, the fucking Chattingtons came out to play. Johnny Depp wins SAG for Best Actor this year.
1: Yeah, he deserved it. Um, yeah. But can we talk about the real, the real big, biggie snubs of uh, of, of this whole thing? Because truly, oh. I mean, you well, first of all, you mentioned score. Um, which it is a crime against human... I actually really do feel like it is it is right up there with Depp as just, like, one of the most special things about it. But, like, can we just talk about how Jeffrey Rush not getting a nomination for this movie is the stupidest thing ever? Because it's like... Uh, because seriously, like, if you're already going to nominate Depp, why not just do it? Especially because... And I know we're about to talk about this, but, like, the lineup of that year is fucking... Yeah,
0: and the winner ended up being Tim Robbins and Mystic River. Again, the two Mystic River... Oscar winners that are just completely un un deserving. have been pirates on both. Yeah. yeah, pirates for both. Yeah, the uh, supporting actor lineup that year uh, was Alec Baldwin in The Cooler, Benicio del Toro in Twenty One Grams, jaman Hansu in In America, and Ken
1: Watanabe in The Last Samurai. I'm cool with Del Toro being there. I think I think he's he's actually pretty he's he's really good in, in that movie. But
0: yeah, I, I don't think I've seen any of the others. I saw Last Samurai in like my high school history class and i was just like kind of bored by it most of the time all right and then for golden globe nominated for best musical or comedy uh lost to bill murray and lost in translation um
2: yeah that's definitely a musical comedy lost in translation
1: yeah. It's kind of comedy in some way but it's like obviously a drama the fucking globes suck
0: yeah yeah i hate the globes yeah you want to talk about like oscars being illegitimate and like fraudulent yeah. and stupid like the Globes sure. are-
2: I want to. I want to talk about. I, I'm so happy that the Globes don't have a show anymore.
0: The fact that they had to tweet out all of their fucking the
2: fucking the, awful. Yeah. Uh, well, and... What 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 is this? What happened?
0: When we were talking about the Golden Globes, they didn't have a show this year. They just tweeted all of their winners. They just live tweeted. What? Are you kidding me? That's They so... live tweeted all of the winners. And, and when musical or comedy for this year, when West Side Story won Best Musical or Comedy, they tweeted out, like, if laughter is the best medicine, then West Side Story oh my is... God. <laughs> and, it, and it's And then they had to retract it. And then they said, and then, like, they... Because it's like... They clearly had like some fucking template planned out for whichever one wins that and they and then they, they forgot that, oh yeah, this movie is really not the not it's not here because of the comedy part.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um I'm like looking at the nominations in real time right now. This is the most boring, predictable shit. Oh my god, they nominated Don't Look Up. That that's that's really hitting at the uh
0: at the AARP <laughs> movies for up Awards.
1: Like, when is that this year?
0: I don't know, but I think that they're- that will definitely- you know, I, f- I should find more AARP movies like, for Grown Ups. Like, can we please
2: be the only podcast that live streams our reactions to the AARP Movies for Grown Ups Awards?
1: Wait, is this- uh, what is this? Is this the, real? Yes,
0: yeah, so we- there was one night where me oh, and I Anthony were, went down a fucking- No, we went down a fucking rabbit hole, we were like looking up the history of the AARP Movies for oh, Grown Ups Awards.
1: God. It's a was real awards show. So, like, so like every year it's like grandma's teacup party wins and like yes it's yeah. li-
0: every year it's like helen mirren and fucking meryl streep get nominated for maggie every smith. movie they're in maggie smith patrick stewart ian mckellen oh my god these-
1: incredible <laughs> yep. I'm, so, I'm i need to look this up right now yeah
0: all right well let's let's move on now so uh this movie was released on home media On December 1st of 2003, it was released on DVD and VHS, and also recently released Uh, on 4K on January 2nd, 2022. And it's notable to bring up, because honestly, we were planning this episode before I even knew that there was a 4K coming out. Apropos of nothing, this 4K just got released. And I've seen some of the comparison videos of like the side-by-sides and people reviewing it. And it's, like, kind of now gaining reputation as the worst 4K transfer of all time. And just looking at these comparison videos, it's, like, how did they massacre my boy? Like, the movie, like, everything is just so dark and shadowy and gray and muddy and they removed all the grain and they put like fake digital sheen over it it looks horrible it's really bad the fact that i should i want to get into 4k right now i have an xbox that is capable of 4k capabilities and i want to buy as many 4k blu-rays as i have because the ones that look good are really good but it's not one of those things like when i first got my blu-ray player i was like all right i'm gonna just sell all of my movies and get and get all of them on blu-ray I can't do that with this format because it's like I have to see like which ones are worth it like which ones they did right by and it shouldn't be like that it should just be this is the better version of the movie like why does it have to have this fucking monkey paw attached to it Uh, also this movie is available to stream on Disney plus and you called me in a fervor the other day because you were like Mike they made the 4k the default version on Disney plus (laughs) and I I couldn't really see it on my end. It looked it looked a little bit grainier and like muddier than my Blu-ray, but not to the extent of like the videos I was seeing on YouTube of like what the disc transfer looked like.
1: If, like straight up. If you watch that version, I I'm, I'm so sorry because it's it's like just oh okay, I would actually rather not watch it because after I watched this first one, I'm like this shit is delicious. I'm going to watch the other two immediately. And I don't have them on Blu-ray, because I just don't really buy physical media that often just for, because I just want to save money and stuff. But like, oh my God, instantly too, like all of the scenes when they're outside and it's like supposed to be a beautiful, wonderful day and it looks that good because they shot on the motherfucking ocean, because Rubinsky is exactly as fucking awesome as he could ever hope. Um, It looks like fucking muddy ass. And so I sent Mike, a picture of the first one like is it like this are all of them and it's just like wow they 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 destroyed it it looks it's like it's unwatchable you can't watch this in this version it's not the same film
0: we were able to watch it but i i was doing back and forth like i put my blu-ray in and i was like looking at i was like oh the blu-ray is fucking vibrant and beautiful and colorful and then this one it's just like it's all beige like it's so not the ideal way to watch the movie but also we were you were you were talking about like how it looks so good? How they shot on real sets? We were watching the Blu-ray bonus features on uh, on this, and you were like literally like almost in tears just because of like they built real sets and real ships. And...
1: I don't know if I was actually almost in real tears, but but we we had been drinking, and and I and I was just like Mike, I'm gonna fucking cry of how beautiful this is because it was just like like I, like the degree of detail that they had. There was this one point when they said something to the effect of like. Yeah, and you know, like you know, the whole Port Royal um, set or whatever, and you know, we just kind of like built that. I'm like, I'm sorry, what, what? And and then you just see them like building, like the fucking castle. It's it's the most amazing thing. And like, yes, it's like the exterior of the of the. It's, it's like largely like painting that stuff. Um, and they didn't literally like get a bunch of like stone and concrete and shit to make. But it's like, it's like as fucking close as you can get to that. And Mike, Mike had that one detail um, that he always talks about with, like, the chicken um yeah, there, uh, was a,
0: there was a guy who they were, like, on the set, they had, like, these chickens in, like, little wooden cages, and they had one guy who was sitting on the side of the set with little tweezers, like, you know, bending pieces of twigs to make the cages for the chickens, and it's like, who's making this shit for movies now? Like, everything's on green screen, and it's like, I, I hate to be that reductionist where it's like, oh, all movies are green screen now, but it's like, if you watch movies, like Blu-ray bonus features for movies that come out today, they're the most boring shit ever because there's nothing there, and they're like, oh yeah, we just every all the actors are just running on green screen. It, it's all like, it's the Star Wars prequels. Like, I remember when I was a kid watching the Star Wars prequels, and it was like, oh, we just ran in front of the green screen, and it's that, that famous, a voice clip from uh, that Red Letter Media uses, where it's like, oh, it's, every single frame has so much in it. It's so dense, like, and it's just like literally just nothing's there, and they're just like walking on like maybe like a sand ground, and then that's like the only tangible real things in the shot.
1: If that, I mean, it's, I mean, and I mean, also, it's just the the, and, and it's not to say that Pirates doesn't have this to some extent as well. But the behind-the-scenes things in those DV and those uh, Blu-rays that they have for home media, for like Marvel stuff, is also it's just so sanitized. It's so boring. They're just like so rigorously managed because it's like everybody had a nice fucking time. It wasn't like we had a goddamn release date set uh, a year ago, and if we don't meet it, uh, meet it like our fucking we're just not getting any fucking money for this, and our careers are destroyed or something like that. And it's just like. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's not to say that pirates that this one doesn't have it as much, but yeah, I I don't know. It's just like that tactile feel. This at least makes it feel a little bit more honest, with probably the somewhat false narrative that they're presenting.
0: Yeah, but it's also it's like. Yeah, you're not gonna get anyone like like Alfred Molina on, on Spider-Man Two, and he's like, "Yeah, listen, I hate doing stunts. It's not my thing. Like, I'm just really bad at it. Uh, I'd rather just be a CG. Like, like someone like there's no candidness nature where it's like everything just feels like extended PR. Well, and... you
1: have the, I mean, you have that that really famous thing for, um, I think it was Unexpected Journey when Ian McKellen said like like you said that he was like crying on set because he like couldn't actually interact with actors because there was so much focus on blue screen in that movie and it's like like he was like like there's like some kind of like hot mic audio of him somewhere like crying and he's like i miss being able to act with other people why can't it be like it was last time or something like this like oh oh that's so sad and and but i mean like the real ultimate candid thing is um is is the phantom menace which you and i bring up all the time which is like yes uh, yeah like a lot of my knowledge that comes from the red letter media things but like some of those clips are just some of my very favorite lines in anything ever like like after they screen the movie and you just see like lucas like holding his head in like pure like anguish of how terrible the movie is and then he's like it's stylistically designed to be that way but we can diminish the effects of it it's just like 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 the 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 fucking like terror of seeing that the movie shit in front of you, I really want to see something like that for Pirates Three. Oh my god, that'd be the coolest thing ever. Yeah.
0: I may have gone too far in a few places, <laughs> but yeah, no, we watched that and then also this the, the Blu-ray also had like an interesting feature where it had like you know little documentary sections about like actual pirate stuff, like like the pirate costumes and pirate history and stuff like pirate that. pirate
1: diversity. Yeah, uh, yeah. Which, they which talked about how like a, which was actually like a surprisingly like yeah. Okay, they talked little...
0: about. Yeah, they talked about how pirates were more accepting of different races than, like, you know, the actual civilized uh, society.
1: Like, it, yeah, in part because, like, they were, they were, like, escaped slaves and they wanted to, like, be with, with people who, like, wouldn't treat them like dirt. And that's why they're, uh, it's just a nice little detail, but that's why there are black people on, like, every pirate ship that you see in the movie. It's great.
0: So for the poll question on this episode, uh, I'm going to ask, because we we didn't want to say what's your favorite movie in the series, because it seems too easy. Like, yeah, the first movie is clearly, like, you know, the most well-liked. So we were going to see what's your favorite action scene in the series. So we got four choices. We've got jack versus barbosa from this movie we've got the wheel fight from dead man's chest the kraken from dead man's chest and the maelstrom sequence from at world's end and i know that uh anthony what would what would you have to say is your uh pick for this
2: it's hard to pick but yeah, if you don't know have- oh, oh, oh the wheel fight from dead man's chest that one's just crazy
0: yeah no that's great uh and i know that uh grayson i know that you have a very strong opinion about one of these also
1: yeah the maelstrom is the finest piece of action blockbuster filmmaking of the 21st century only competition is uh fury road and at that point it's just like yep personal preference uh maelstrom because i care about the characters way more uh so yeah
0: i think i'll pick the maelstrom also it's just like such like this like audacious like big finale climax that like i feel like every Series deserves to like have as its finale. And for our closing thoughts, uh, what I don't think I need to even ask you, Grayson, what your rating for this movie out of 10 is, but what would you say it is? Uh, six. say it six. Oh, uh, you know, that's a pretty, pretty reserved. I respect the uh, respect the uh, you know, the the reservation of it. <laughs> so we're yeah. talking about
2: the rating of the movie right now, yeah. I give this a solid like seven and a half,
0: eight, yeah. Now I, I I'm gonna say that this movie's a very strong nine. Like I've toyed with giving with the with the ten for a while, but I'm like, you know, I'm just gonna say keep it at the nine. Yeah, uh, Grayson, you don't I don't need, I know Grayson. I don't even need to ask you what your fucking rating is. But
1: <laughs> yeah, I think <laughs> I think the more interesting thing to say uh, would be that yes, two and three are also both tens, and yes, they are. They actually are. Yeah. I'm not. None of the stuff that I'm saying is like to be funny hyperbolic. I genuinely think that the Maelstrom action scene is the best piece of action blockbuster filmmaking easily of the 21st century it's actually not close like the only competition it has again is some segments of mad max free road and dead man's chest and that's it i totally respect where you're coming from on um the wheel fight and the kraken um it's just it's they're both um they're literally fucking astounding but to me it's the maelstrom
0: and now for the marketing what would you say would be your rating for the marketing going back and looking at all of it Mm, i'd say it's like i don't know especially when you take into account the early marketing and shit.
2: yeah it's it's probably like a six i'm not i'm not crazy about it
0: yeah i think i would have to say a six as well especially because the marketing didn't make it look like a good movie like people were surprised that it was a good movie because it didn't look good (laughs)
1: Um, yeah, I'm giving. It, I'm actually gonna give it a five. I actually don't, because th- the big, the big thing of like whether it is or is not like a pass for me is like if I was the age I'm at right now when it was coming out, because I I have no real memory of seeing the trailers to this movie when it was coming out at all. Like all the stuff that I saw for the show was a surprise. Would I want to watch this movie? And it's like, no, I, I wouldn't want to watch this because it's like and there's like depths like barely in any of the trailers anyway. So it's like he's like the most central marketable thing about it. And otherwise, it just looks like a generic pirate thing, frankly. Yeah.
0: And especially compared to the fucking the fucking Chattingtons of the, the 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 trailers for the second and third movie, especially the third movie. Me and you, Grayson, I think oh we God. were like the, the trailer for the third movie is like, it's my favorite tri- trailer. Of my time. It's, it's probably is. the best trailer of all time. And it's like, you know what? a little soapbox thing. we need to bring back fucking movie trailer choirs. Like, get rid of this fucking, like, sad acoustic cover of a pop song, and let's bring back fucking It's yeah. literally the best fucking thing ever. Like, just please bring that back. Um but anyway let's let's end it now finally we went to the ends of the earth on this episode with pirates of the caribbean the curse of the black pearl and uh thank you for joining me on this uh on this voyage and uh we can uh if you could subscribe to us on uh apple podcasts and spotify uh follow us on twitter at CinemarketPod pod and on instagram at cinemarketing podcast that's where i post all of the uh materials and stuff that we go over in this episode listen and thanks for interacting with us answer our poll question i'll put it up on twitter and you could take part in this uh answer uh and thanks again for joining uh and we'll see you next time goodbye coming soon to theaters
1: somewhere in the dark underworld there is a plan a plan to rule mankind now, the world's most elite organization must step forward to search the globe for evil, scour the
2: continents for danger, and what they discover will turn the world
1: upside down. <laughs> oh! <laughs> Toons back in action a rabbit, a duck, a girl, a boy
0: You, you, him, her them,
1: and the evil head of the Acme Corporation who's determined to take over the world We must capture this son of a spy and we must locate the diamond and use its powers for our own diabolical ends How do you like that Mr. Slap yourself in your old face? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs>
2: Who has dynamite?
1: Welcome to my world. Loney Tones back in action. Well Dad's funny.